Welcome to the Novice No Longer Podcast, episode 26. Coming up, how can you get an app made if you know absolutely nothing about coding? I will share with you how to outsource the development of your app, including finding a developer, communicating with your developer, setting up the agreement, the work agreement, and actually getting your app made. And I walk through the entire process. In this episode, I am going back to the roots of the Novice No Longer podcast. As uh, I've gone along, and I'm sure some of my listeners have been listening for a while now, you've kind of noticed a shift. And originally, this podcast was solely focused on apps and building apps and getting press for your apps. And that's kind of evolved since then to be more entrepreneurial stuff in general. I've had a lot of guests on who have built companies, who have built products, and really shared a lot of knowledge in terms of what it takes to build a successful business. And I kind of want to go back a little bit to apps because I know that that's still a large part of my listenership, and there's a lot of stuff that I really want to share with you. And one of the biggest questions that I get all the time is from people who have an idea for an application, but they they don't know what to do or where to go next. I mean, a large number of these people even work out and get to the point where they have wireframes and they have kind of, uh, they've gone into PowerPoint or Keynote or whatever application they know and they've kind of planned it out. Maybe they've sketched it out on paper and they have these, but they, they don't know enough about technology to know if what they're doing is even doable. And, and that's really where, at what stage they, they seek out my advice as somebody who has done this before and who teaches people to do this. And I've got a few methods for kind of figuring this out and asking the right people and actually making progress yourself. So this is just me. I'm going to be sharing my uh, experiences with you and kind of teaching you how to do this just myself on the podcast today the kind of special edition but today is going to be all about hiring a freelance developer and outsourcing the coding for your application which ends it culminates in you having an app in the app store so without further ado i'm going to jump right in here is me dan of novice no longer talking about you building apps enjoy first had the idea for Reader Tracker, the very first iPhone app that I made, it took me from that, from having that idea and kind of wanting to build an app until when I actually released that app in the app store, it took me over two years. And that was spent doing a lot of stuff that was really just a waste of time, uh, like trying to learn how to code, which would have worked for me if I wanted to actually code the app, but I didn't actually really want to code the app. I just wanted to have the app and to release an app in the app store. So my goal was to release an app and I I spent a lot of time learning how to code when really I didn't need to. Um, When it came a little bit later, when I just released my third app, my first one for OS X, which is called Workburst, a productivity app, from the moment I had that idea to when it was released in the app store was weeks. And over the course of those weeks, it was only like 
a couple of hours worth of work. That's it. Literally, like maybe maybe two or three hours of actual work. And a lot of that work was actually working on trying to get press for it. So I've learned a lot in that span of time. And I want to share some of the things uh, that you can do once you have your app idea and you're ready to find a developer that you can kind of cut through the stuff you don't need to do in order to focus on the stuff that will have the biggest impact and actually be able to help you get your app out there. So the very first thing I want to talk about, uh, actually, let me talk about what I'm going to be going through. That way, if you already know an area and you want to skip forward, you can. So first, I'm going to touch on wireframes, mockups, and that whole world and what you should be doing. Next, I'm going to kind of go into finding a developer. And my method, which is a little bit different than using sites like Olance or eDesk, I've got something that I think is a little bit better. And so I want you to listen to that and see if you agree with me that it's a slightly better approach. I'm going to get a little bit more in, or then I'm going to get a little bit into what's known as agile development and not really what it is exactly, but what you need to know about it in order to benefit your relationship with your developer. Next, I'm going to kind of get into the process of once your app is done, getting it into the app store and really working out the final details so that you can finally see, you can get that email that says that your app has changed status to review and then pending app store, which is one of the most exciting emails to receive from Apple. All right. So first, wireframes and mockups. The one thing you need to know about wireframes, mockups, whatever you want to call them, is that they are simply a tool. And they are a tool for communicating your idea that is in your head to somebody else. So however you can communicate your idea efficiently is going to be good for you in terms of your wireframes and mockups. So This can actually vary from developer to developer, whoever you're working with. A lot of times people will think that they have to create this really, really long, detailed uh, like product spec document that goes over every single page and has paragraphs upon paragraphs describing each and every single little function. Uh, some people will want to have hire a designer and have them do the full wireframe, the whole the full mockups in uh, Photoshop as like layered files so they have the look and feel for your app. And that is good. You can do all of that stuff, but a lot of times it's not ne- necessarily necessary for getting your app made. All you really need to do is be able to communicate your idea properly and fully to your developer. Now, as ideas get more complicated and more complex, you're obviously going to need more documentation. But for something like Reader Tracker or my Pomodoro app Workburst, which times how long you work, it's going to be a lot easier to actually get that idea into a form that is usable. Uh, for Workburst, I simply sat down with my iPad and the paper app and just kind of sketched out what I wanted the menu bar to look like. And then I wrote a detailed description of the actions that people would use and why somebody would use the application. So I was able to send that over to the developer and he was able to, from that, ask any questions that he needed. We had a little bit of back and forth. He gave me a quote for how long it would take. And I was able to say, yes, let's do it. For Reader Tracker, it was a little bit more involved. I did sit down with a mock-up app and just mock up what I wanted the app to look like. And I highly recommend that anybody here at least does that because you'll be surprised that 
once you get an idea out of your head and onto paper, the more and more things you really think of that you never really thought of before. And there's a very specific reason for this. When you have an idea that remains in your head, a lot of your energy when you're thinking about that idea goes to remembering the stuff that you've already thought of. So you're using your memory or you're using your energy to focus on the things that you've already thought of, and that leaves less room for thinking about new things or kind of new features or anything else you'd want to add to it. So the process of actually writing it down and getting it out from your head and onto paper is really good because you'll run into things that you didn't even think of before. Now, a lot of times as you're doing these mock-ups and these wireframes, you might not know if something is even possible or how to do something just because you might not know the technology that well. You might not know how things are going uh, behind the scenes and how the whole back-end coding works. And this is why it's a good idea to reach out to developers and get a developer involved early on. That way you can ask them the questions. And this works especially well because they're going to be the one that codes this. So they're going to get to understand what your thought process is, what your end goal is, and be able to work with you to find a proper solution. So I'm going to go over exactly how my my process for finding a developer, which is very, very good for any questions that you might have and getting answers to those. But just keep in mind that when you're creating your mock-ups or wireframes, your end goal is simply to communicate your idea to somebody else. So if you're not sure if you're being clear or not, one good exercise is to find a friend who you might have told briefly what your app is, but show them what you have and see if they can follow along with your documents that you have there without you saying anything and without you answering any of their questions that pertain to actually like how the application works. And so this means that with your documentation, you might want to draw an arrow to a button and just say what the button does if it's not obvious. Or if there's a section, say what's going to be in that section. But just put enough documentation so that somebody following through on the app or on your actual on paper, on the mock-ups and wireframes, they should be able to follow through and understand what you're doing because the developer that you hand these over to is going to be just like that. And and more often than not, you're not going to be standing right next to the person and explaining things. It's going to be up to them to try to read what you put down on paper and then to ask you any questions that they have or any clarification points that they need. So make sure that your documentation is clear and is readable to anybody who doesn't necessarily know your app inside and out. So next, I want to get into the process of actually finding your developer. Now, a lot of places will tell you to use sites like Elance or Odesk. And if you've never used one of these sites, basically what it allows people to do is post a project, and then different people will bid on that project, basically saying how much they would charge for doing the project and getting, hopefully trying to undercut other people so they can get the work. But I have a few issues with this system that I want to talk about briefly. The first is that it puts you in a weaker position because of rather than going out and actively looking for developers, it puts you at the mercy of whoever is bidding 
on your project. And the people that are bidding on your project don't really have an incentive to really spend a lot of time on their proposal because more than likely, they're probably bidding on tens, if not hundreds of projects a day and maybe getting one or two if they're lucky, whereas you're just one person with one project. So it doesn't make sense for them to really read through your full description, respond to every single question that you have, and really spend the time to really understand your needs and your project because they're going to be doing this for so many different people and maybe not even getting any projects. So it's just simply not worth their time. Another problem is it devalues the work because obviously you're not going to choose like the very, very highest bidder. You might not choose the lowest, but it's going to be towards the bottom there because you want a deal. And websites like that really encourage lower cost for work. So you always kind of are like, am I going to be really getting good quality work because of the amount of money that you're paying? It's it's not as clear cut of a system. So what I have or what I propose instead is a system that will allow you to actively seek developers who are actively seeking freelance work and really get all of your questions answered and have that more of a personalized touch. Now, the way that I found my developer was through a website called Code Canyon. It is codecanyon.net. And I'm going to put that in the show notes in case you guys do want to check that out. And the best way to think of codecanyon.net and there's an entire suite of family uh, like an entire family of websites associated with it too but the best way to think about it is like an etsy but for code so just like etsy people like make handcrafted things and then sell them the same is true for digital assets on code canyon now i'm definitely not suggesting you go out and simply buy an ios app because that is possible and you can go out and buy apps. And then there's an entire business that people teach actually of buying these apps, reskinning them with different graphics, different content, and then selling them in the marketplace. And that's, that's a different way to kind of approach app entrepreneurship. But another great way to use Code Canyon is to go on their marketplace. You can see at the top, there's a section for mobile, and then you browse down to iOS and you can view all of the iOS applications. And you can kind of browse through and see if there's anything kind of similar to what you're doing or if there's anything that looks like it's really quality work. Just kind of use your instinct to see like what looks good and what doesn't. The reason why I like Code Canyon is that all of the content is pre-vetted, meaning that if a coder is selling content on Code Canyon, then that code is up to a certain quality standard. So you don't need to worry about really getting really ripped off by somebody selling you terrible code. So you go on there, you find a few projects that look interesting to you. If you click on them, you can see who the author of the code is. It'll have a link to their profile. And directly in the profile, it, it lists whether they are available for freelance work. So what I suggest people do is finding probably about 10 to 15 developers using this method and contacting them directly. And what you want to do in that very first initial email is simply verify that they are available for freelance work and ask what their hourly rate is. This will do 
multiple things for you. First, you'll get to see how quickly they respond because having somebody that responds quickly is very important. You'll also be able to see how well they communicate. If you speak English, you definitely want a good English speaker. If you speak any other language, it doesn't matter. As long as you can communicate well with your developer, you're going to be all good. It also allows you, if you want, to put in a particular question that you have with your application. Say you want to have restaurant data in your application, but you're not really sure the best way to do it. What is the best way to incorporate kind of other information into your app? You can ask this question and pose it to every single person that you're emailing, and then you can view the responses and see kind of what the consensus is for how to solve this particular problem if somebody knows their stuff better than somebody else. And also, when you're asking for their hourly rate, you can get an idea of how much people charge. So if somebody is really, really lowballing it, you can kind of see that as suspicious. Or if somebody, one of the bids is way higher than anybody else, you can know that that is an outlier and you might not want to go with them. So once you view those initial emails and see who responds to you, it's time for phase two. This is where you ask them to sign an NDA. And I'm going to talk about NDAs in a little bit because you should not ever, ever, ever spend money on an NDA. Ever, 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 ever. But I'm going to get into more detail about NDAs in a little bit. But send over an NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement, so they know that you're serious and to kind of protect yourself a little bit. And then send over your mock-ups and just get a quote from these people. And you want to do this for a few reasons. Um, The first is that it'll also give you an idea of how long your application is going to take. Because if you just contacted one or two developers, they might say, this is going to take over 40 hours of work at least. And then it's really not that complicated. And then you find a bunch of other developers that'll quote less. So this, this will give you a good ballpark for what people say is how complicated your application is. It's also uh, this part, sending over your uh, mockups and wireframes is something that causes a lot of entrepreneurs concern, uh, especially because You've done all of this work planning out your application, and now you're just sending the full thing over to a developer who obviously knows how to code, so they could theoretically code the application themselves and release it. And it's a really terrifying thing. But developers are actually a lot less likely to steal your idea than you think. The reason being is they just don't have the incentive. First of all, there are over a million apps in the App Store. At this point, if you want a successful application, it takes more than simply releasing it. There is so much work that needs to be done with promotion and continuous promotion and telling people and getting people to download your application. Especially, it depends on how you plan to monetize your application. If you're charging money for it, it's going to be a lot harder to get those downloads. If there's in-app purchases, if there's ads, you have to get enough number of users to actually make that into a revenue-generating thing. So developers know this. They know how much work it's going to actually take to make money from this application, and they would rather make money from coding it. They would rather take however many hundreds of dollars after however many how, however much work, and at the end of that 20 hours of work, they have a check. They have money in their pocket. They can go on and do something else, whereas now it's up to you to actually recoup that cost by 
acquiring those users. And this also goes back to the NDA or the non-disclosure agreement. The reason why I say that you should never, ever spend money on a non-disclosure agreement, because usually they'll cost a thousand or two done by a lawyer, and they're only actually valuable if you have money to actually sue somebody that breaks your NDA. So you're paying a thousand or two thousand dollars for this document that then if it is breached for whatever reason, you're going to have to spend thousands upon thousands more trying to actually enforce that. And it gets a lot more tricky, especially if the developer is overseas. So it just simply doesn't make sense to spend money on a non-disclosure agreement. That being said, it is still good to send one, and I still like sending one, just because it's professional protocol, and it makes them know that you are a serious business person, as are they running their freelance business. So a fantastic resource for finding free legal documents is a place called Docracy. And again, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. If you guys haven't checked out the show notes, you should. I put a lot of stuff in there. You'd actually really like it. But um, yeah, you can go to novicenolonger.com, plug for the website. But go to Docracy.com and they basically do uh, free versions of legal documents as well as version control. So you can go in there and change things. You can see how others changed wording in order for their needs and really find a non-disclosure agreement that works for you. Read through it, make sure it makes sense, and send that on over before uh, sending over their actual – before you send over your actual mock-ups and wireframes. So at this stage, what you've done is – You've emailed your developer to find out how much they charge hourly and if they're available for freelance work. You narrow that down to people that communicate well, that are decently priced, and you sent over the NDA, and then you sent over the mock-ups and the wireframe. And the next email you're going to get back kind of gives you a better idea of how much you're going to be spending on this application and how long it's going to take. From those, choose the developer that you like the best. Go with your instinct and... You're going to select them and start working with them. Now, once you start working with them, I want to briefly touch on agile development as it relates to working with your developer. Now, you don't need to know all of the details of agile development or waterfalls or the scrum master or all these terms that are associated with this. Basically, what it means and what you need to know about it is that when a developer is coding a project there are a few different approaches to it. And agile development is a currently most popular. And basically what it means is you break the entire project into individual chunks. And each chunk has to have a definitive end. So once you finish a chunk, if you're running the application as much as it has done, there's going to be no errors in it. It's going to work as needed. And it's going to be something that you can say, you can sign off and then go on and work on the next task and add to that. So slowly and surely, you're adding more and more onto this application, working towards the end goal. But at each of those individual stages, you have uh, an error-free code, a chunk that you you have as a, a deliverable, as something that you can have. So the best way to work out the details of your development with your developer is talk to him or her and ask at what stages you can actually see what's being done. So you're going to be setting milestones. Now, 
these milestones should be set by your developer, not by you, because they're the ones that know the code. They're going to be able to know what kind of stopping points or what their progress should be. And then once you have those set, maybe have four or five from beginning to end, or you might want to do it once a week, once every other week, whatever works out well for your developer. And now what you should do is tie your payments to these specific milestones. When you're making the payments, also have your developer send over all of the source code because you can have that. And like I said, with agile development, once you have that source code, you actually have something that can be built upon. So if for some reason your developer decides to never get back to you or you have some other issue where the the development cannot continue, you actually have that source code that you can then build upon with somebody else hopefully, and you're not also going to be out all of your money because you're tying your payments to these specific milestones. And one thing you can also do to kind of protect yourself a little bit more is with each of these milestones, you can simply go on Craigslist or some other place and find a local iOS developer and just say, hey, I got some code from a freelance developer. They're working overseas. It's not even close to done yet, but I would love a second set of eyes on this code to see if it's terrible or not. And actually just looking at code like that isn't, doesn't take a lot of work because they're not actually doing any of the code work themselves. So it's just a code review. So if trying to find somebody and just paying a few dollars to somebody to do a code review might be a great way to see if your developer is actually staying on track and verifying that it's quality code without actually learning how to code yourself. And that is the biggest lesson that I've learned from doing this is always get a second opinion and do not be afraid to ask for these little tasks and get more than one person involved because that is the best way to protect yourself against uh, a developer taking advantage of you. And it really gives you more peace of mind because you know that everything that's being built is actually up to snuff. And you have somebody else that says, hey, this is good, or this is kind of weird that they did it this way. You might want to ask this question. And, and it gives you a better launching off point for getting better code. You know, another part where you might want to bring in another developer is towards the end of your project. Because at the very end of your project, you're, of course, going to want to submit it to the App Store. Now, if you try to do this part yourself like I did originally, you are more than likely going to fail. And I don't say that lightly because... By this point, when I was ready to actually submit the application, I knew code a little bit. I was a little bit familiar with what was going on, and I can—I generally had an idea of what the code was, although I couldn't read it fully, and I definitely couldn't write it. But I sat down to submit this to the App Store because I thought it was just going to be a simple upload, and it was not. There are certificates that you need to download and install on your computer, possibly install them on your phone in order to get it to run properly. You have to sign things a certain way, sign them for development rather than production. You have to go into two different websites. There's developer.apple.com and itunesconnect.apple.com, and a bunch of different settings and flips to switch and even for uh, Workburst, my leader application, I was like, maybe I'll understand it now. And still, I couldn't do it. So I definitely recommend to save yourself the time and the headache 
And you have two options here. The first is to get your developer to submit the application for you. Now, this can be good, um, especially because they're the one that's been working with the application. They can just finish up the project by submitting it. Now, in order to do this, you're going to need to create a iOS developer account. Now, Apple charges for this. It costs $99 per year to be an iOS developer. And with that developer account, you can have an unlimited number of applications. It's still $99 a year, but that is something that you are going to have to pay for. So once you create that, you can add your developer as a team member on your account, which means that they can go in from wherever they are and upload it. It's a little bit of a complicated process, but if you just Google like how to add a team member to your Apple developer account, it'll be pretty easy walkthroughs that you can get that set up. So that's your first option. Another one is going to be similar to the code review, and that is finding somebody locally that you can meet at a coffee copy that you can meet at a coffee shop and help you upload your application right there while you're sitting there. And I kind of like this option for a couple of reasons. The first, it allows you to get a final code review by somebody who is a third-party source to see, okay, this is actually going to work. It also allows you to watch over this person's shoulder to see what they're doing to kind of get a handle for the process because it is really complicated if you've never done it before. But if somebody is intimately familiar with Xcode, which is the development environment for uh, iOS applications. That, that's what you write the code in. It's called Xcode. So if somebody is familiar with that, they'll be able to do it a lot faster. And the there's a couple of things that you want to have prepared before you have that done, either by somebody locally or by your freelance developer. And you're going to need to have the description of your application, so what you want to have written in the app store. You're also going to need to have screenshots. So make multiple screenshots of your application so people can see what it looks like. And keywords. Keywords are super important because these are the words that people are going to search for when they find your application in the app store. Make sure you plan these out really carefully because you cannot change these later. And there are a lot of articles and resources out there available for you for picking the best name for your application, uh, because sometimes you can put keywords in your actual name, as well as choosing the keywords. Something that you might want to search for is called App Store Optimization, which is ASO, which is actually getting really, really popular these days, especially as more and more apps become available in the App Store. You need to do more and more to stand out. Just like at one time, SEO or search engine optimization was new and crazy, and it was a thing to do. App Store Optimization is the next big thing. So Getting into that is a great way to give yourself uh, leverage over other applications, get more downloads, and help you figure out what keywords you should be using for your app. So like I said, finding somebody that's local to do this for you and paying them a little bit to help you get that uploaded is a fantastic way to go. And it'll also allow you to have somebody local that you can email and ask a question to or meet up with if there are any emergency issues, things that need to be handled immediately. Something isn't working correctly or there was a feature that was supposed to be in your app that was working fine before that suddenly isn't. Being able to have somebody locally that you can ask about that is fantastic to have. Um, Obviously, first reach out to your developer because all of your work should be guaranteed by your developer. So if you have any actual issues, they should fix it. And that's going to be no charge because they guarantee you a working application. 
But having somebody locally to be able to help you out with that is just a fantastic tool to have. Now, Apple's app review process is full of mystery. They really don't let out many details about the app review process. But basically, once you submit your application, it's going to be pending review by Apple. This can take sometimes up to a week, maybe a little bit longer, depending on how much volume there is at that certain time. But it's just a waiting game at that point. And what you're going to do is you submit it. And then as soon as it is in review, you're going to get an email from Apple saying, hey, we're looking at your app right now. And then you're like, okay, well, I hope you guys approve it. And there are a lot of reasons why an app wouldn't be approved. Uh, for Reader Tracker, it was declined a couple of times. The reason being for mine was that one of the screenshots that I took showed an actual book as something that has been tracked in the tracker. And they considered it commentary on a book, something that's unrelated to the application. So they disapproved my entire application. So I resubmitted it. I changed around the book a little bit because I thought, okay, because I showed what it was like to actually write a comment on a book. So there was actual commentary there. So I removed that actual text and I was like, this is what it looks like to have a book. And they still declined to me from the app store simply because I had an actual book there. So that was frustrating, but there's a lot of different things that they can ping you on. And it's definitely good to read over the app review guidelines just to make sure you're following all the instructions. But as long as uh, you don't have any major issues, you will get through and you will see the approved and pending for the app store. And then the moment when your app is finally available and it's very, very, very exciting. And so I hope this was really helpful for you in terms of the process of finding and hiring a developer and getting an application in the app store. So just to review real quick and sum everything up, the first thing you're going to do is create your mock-ups or your wireframes. Make sure you do that in such a way that simply communicates your ideas effectively. Don't worry about standards or protocol or how you're supposed to do it or how the professionals do it. Any way that you can that properly communicates your ideas, you are a-okay. Then you should go onto a website like Code Canyon and find about 10 to 15 developers whom you can pitch and who are available for freelance work. Send them an email asking if they're available for freelance work, just verify it, what their hourly rate is, and any questions that you have regarding the development of your application. From those responses, narrow it down to people that communicate well, communicate quickly, and answer your question right, and charge a decent rate. From those, send over an NDA. Once you have that back, send over your mockups and wireframes to get a detailed quote for your price quote. From there, select the developer that you want to work with. Work with them for milestones for your application about how often you're going to check in and what you're going to get at each of those uh, checkpoints. Go through the whole process where each time you're getting something, you're getting a deliverable at each of the checkpoints, and then you're delivering money until the very end when you have the application that you're ready to submit. Either have your freelance developer submit it for you or find somebody that you can pay to submit it while you sit right next to them in a coffee shop and then wait for it to be reviewed. And if it's bumped out and not available for sale, fix whatever's wrong and do it again. And after that entire process, you will have an app in the App Store. 
there you have it. How to get an app in the App Store and how to hire a freelance developer. If you've liked this, please go onto iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. People haven't done that in a little while. I haven't seen any ratings or reviews there. So please make me happy. It really does. And until next week, have a good one. Bye.